Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. It's one of those court cases where both sides seem to be in the right. But as our guest today will tell you, there are far-reaching issues hidden, and you'll soon know why I say it this way, just below the surface. Michael Peabody is an employment law attorney practicing in Los Angeles, California, and is the editor of ReligiousLiberty.tv, a website dedicated to celebrating religious freedom. We've had him on our show a number of times before. Michael, welcome back to LifeQuest Liberty. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, let's go to Missouri, to the town of Columbia, where a church case recently reached the Supreme Court. Michael, I'll let you share what happened. What was all the fuss about, and what were the results? Turns out the state of Missouri had some money that they could grant to nonprofit organizations to upgrade their playgrounds on their facilities. Uh-huh. And what they were doing was they had a grant for recycled rubber pellets that could be used to spread over the playground so that when kids fall on it, they hit rubber instead of dirt or whatever. Any nonprofit could apply. However, the state of Missouri has a constitutional amendment that is called a no-aid provision that prohibits state money from going to religious organizations or churches. Uh-huh. It was sort of an exception of the Establishment Clause that was part of a so-called Blaine Amendment that had been attempted back in the 1800s on a national level, had failed on a national level, but had been completed in about 38 of the different states. And so the Blaine Amendment prohibits state money or tax money from going to churches or religious organizations. And so the state of Missouri said, sorry, church, you're out. You can't receive this money because you're a church. Mm-hmm. The church sued, claiming that they were not being provided an equal opportunity to receive the resources that other nonprofits had received, and the case ultimately went up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that the church had actually been discriminated against because they were religious, and the church's free exercise right to free practice of religion was impinged upon by the state rule that prohibited them from participating in the general grant funding program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, this sounds like the dog chasing the tail here. Pretty much. It's a very interesting decision because you have a church saying now, and and they've raised the argument that their free exercise has been infringed on. A church is saying that they're not able to practice their religion freely because the government's not giving them money for their playground. Even as you say it, I can see, well, the church has some things to say there, but what does this have to do with church-state separation? Sure, they're, they're coming together for this, but aren't they coming together for a secular cause? Aren't they coming together because they want kids to be safe on the playground? Well, that's one way of looking at it, and there are a lot of benefits to looking at it that way. Uh-huh. However, in the state of Missouri, they had actually said that the Establishment Clause in that state would prohibit state money from going to churches. And in fact, the idea of the Establishment Clause was, on a federal level, that the government would not be in the business of having a state church or having preferential treatment for religion over non-religion. And the classic example is actually tax money going to churches. So when the church receives money from the government, this is tax money, of course, would the, would the normal people have a problem with this? I mean, are, if, would, would Joe Citizen and Janet Citizen say, hey, that shouldn't be happening? Well, it depends who they are. If they 
their citizens who benefit from the tax money being at their church, that's one thing. Yes. However, if they have another nonprofit organization and they're saying, hey, you know what, we need that money, mm. um, churches get extra benefits anyway, and why should they also get our, you know, a shot at our money? Then that's another issue. Right, right. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that churches get that other nonprofit organizations do not receive. Some of them may not seem like a benefit, but it really is. For instance, the Supreme Court earlier this year actually ruled that the pension regulations that the federal government imposes on corporations do not apply to churches uniquely mm-hmm. or to religiously affiliated hospitals. But nonprofit, non-religious hospitals have to have pension regulations in place. And what had happened was there were a group of people who had sued a set of Catholic hospitals claiming that they had been employed at these hospitals, that they had been promised pensions when they retired, but that the pensions had been grossly underfunded. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, had the hospitals been following the government regulations on this funding, they would have had proper capital and would not be in the situation. The hospital said, well, we're religious, so we're exempt by statute. So the Supreme Court said, yeah, these regulations don't apply to hospitals. And another situation, there was a case a couple of years ago where employment laws that had to do with care for Americans with disabilities and that type of thing did not apply to religious organizations. And that was called the ministerial exception. Right, right. So there are a lot of things that churches get that other organizations do not get. And at this point, you're going to see a lot of churches begin to clamor for the public money as well. One of the downsides, of course, is that as religious organizations become more and more dependent on the government, they're going to really be competing against each other. In the Missouri situation with the playground funding, only 14 of the 44 applying organizations qualified for the money, mm-hmm. or could receive the money. Mm-hmm. And this church had ranked number five on that list. Had other churches applied for it, you may have had 100 or 200 mm-hmm. applicants for yes, the 14 yes. spots, and they could have all gone to churches. And churches that felt that they were being disadvantaged or not being provided it may claim that the government had favored one church over another. Okay. Uh, if you couple this with other trends that are going on right now, such as the attempt to repeal the Johnson Amendment and allow churches to engage in partisan politics, there may be inference that churches that support particular political candidates are provided you know, more deference when it comes to these types of programs than churches that do not endorse candidates. So it can be a real mess. And ultimately, it becomes a quest for power where churches are going to start asking the government to kind of fill in the gaps where they're not able to operate on their own with their offering money and free will gifts. Now, this is a Lutheran church uh, that did this, the Trinity Lutheran Church in uh, Columbia. Are other denominations jumping on board? Are, are, are the Catholics here? Are the Baptists here? Are the Seventh-day Adventists here as well? Are they clamoring for money? Well, it's interesting. The Seventh-day Adventist Church actually wrote a brief in support of the Trinity Lutheran Church and in support of the funding. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people within the church, of course, who have differences of, of opinion on that. I know in the Baptist Church, a lot of the Baptist organizations supported this because they said, hey, look, it's money. Yeah. You know, who wants to turn down money? The state's discriminating against religion, so let's just take the money. Uh, the Baptist Joint Committee that focuses on separation of church and state is opposed to the decision, and they've expressed their concerns about it after it came out. So there's a split within the Baptist Church, and in the Catholic Church, they believe that the Blaine Amendments, which were the 
no-aid rules passed in the 1800s were actually intended to discriminate against Catholic organizations and favor mm-hmm. Protestant organizations at that time. And so they're claiming that it was anti-Catholic from the beginning. And that was actually one of the issues raised in some of the briefs that went up before the Supreme Court. So it's a, there's a wide range of opinion within denominations on the issue. My concern, of course, is that when government gets involved, it's not just a one-way street of government giving money, mm-hmm. but the government will also regulate what happens to that. Uh, for instance, at the same time the Supreme Court decided 7-2 to two in favor of Trinity Lutheran receiving the funding, they also granted certiorari, or they, they agreed to hear the case of a cake baker from Colorado who had refused to provide wedding cakes for same-sex weddings. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm religious, therefore I have a special exception to the rule that everybody else needs to follow. So mm-hmm. when churches or religious individuals argue for equal protection, they have to understand that equality goes both ways. And unfortunately, when, you're, when these issues come up, I have a feeling the court may take a similar approach and say, look, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say we are exempt from regulation when it's to your benefit, but that you also need to be treated equal to all other nonprofits when it comes to getting money from the state. Why have we gotten here, Michael? Why have the Christians within this nation looked around and said, hey, you know, we want to be just like everybody else. If the, if the state has money, if the government has money, we want our fair share, like you say, even though they're insisting that they not be discriminated against uh, because they are religious. What is the big danger here? Is the government going to come and say, who can play on this playground? You can't throw those people out of this playground. What's going on? Let's say the Supreme Court rules against the cake maker. Right, right. So you have a a business where they're required to accommodate people even if they religiously disagree with it. Uh Because that cake baker is treated equally with all other businesses in the state of Colorado right. and has the same anti-discrimination requirements. And let's say that reasoning applies to the churches. That wasn't even addressed in the decision, but let's say that happens. And the next funding is for the floor of a gymnasium, and the, the government says, we want safer gymnasium floors. We're going to make them a nicer surface than concrete or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the church says, oh, thank you for the money. Refloors the entire gym. And the same-sex couple wants to have a wedding reception there. Okay. I think that the couple would have a very good argument to say, "Look, you know, we want to be treated equally, sure. just like the church was treated sure. equally in receiving the funding to put the floor in." Sure. sure. So I think it's a slippery slope. You can't say that you're being discriminated against and then turn around and use those same resources to discriminate. Okay. All right. Well, the separation of church and state needs to have a separation in there. And how do we educate our churches of this? How do we tell a pastor who has need for a a resurfacing of his playground, how do you tell a church member that they really shouldn't be taking this money when their church may actually be suffering financially? That's a real hard thing to do. It's easy to say, hey, look, we'll take the money, and nobody will follow up on us to see what happens with it. right. That's really a dangerous game. It's sort of like Wile E. Coyote in the old cartoons. He jumps off over the cliff and doesn't realize he's got nothing underneath him until he looks down and he plummets to the ground. Yes, yes. You're really going out on the ledge when you're accepting that kind of government money. And when it comes to infrastructure, as long as that infrastructure is in place, there's theoretically an argument that you may be required to use it in certain ways. And there's also the spirit of volunteerism, which is, the idea that when you have a church, the mission is yours, it's not the state's, and you can't depend on somebody who doesn't share your values to help make that mission go forward. I guess the bottom line here is that if 
we want to accept money from the government, and we happen to be a church, this church has got to have all of its doctrines and all of its belief systems completely in sync with the government because that's the only way it's going to work. If you are not in sync with the government, if the government has said X and you believe Y, that XY is going to come together someplace in the future. Am I right in saying that? That's my concern. Yeah, yeah. All right, Michael Peabody. He is the uh, employment law attorney practicing in Los Angeles, California, and the editor of ReligiousLiberty.tv, a website which is dedicated to celebrating religious freedom. And I appreciate you coming on here and setting the record straight for us, Michael Peabody. Thank you so much. Thank you. And listener, I want to invite you to another website as well, libertymagazine.org. You can listen to these programs. You can listen to them again uh, and share them with other people. You can discuss them in your church group or your civic group. It's all at libertymagazine.org, as well as the articles from the magazine. I think you'll find a lot of resources there to help you in your journey to religious freedom and maintaining that all-important religious freedom across the board in your community and in your church and in your life. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Michael Peabody inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.